0: Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio, and uh, perhaps good morning is more in order. Uh, the show is going to go up a little bit late. We, uh, we couldn't get a show done last night. Both Dylan and Alex had stuff going on. I've been at it all day working on stuff at home, so I pushed it back to the morning. Well, I say the morning. I guess it is morning in the U.K. and the U.S. right now. Uh, 9.30 a.m. here, and I've got to tell you, this is a weird feel. Um, I didn't, I've never done a show in the morning. Uh, normally it's sort of 1130 PM my time. Uh, so I think maybe I'm a little bit, a little bit more groggy than I realize because I'm feeling wide awake right now. I can't remember the last time I started a show when I had this much, uh, this much energy and I, and I don't feel like I got any cobwebs on my brain. So, um, so that hopefully that'll make for a good show. Dylan and Alex both have stuff going on, unable to join us tonight. Um, so hopefully next week, we'll uh we'll all three of us will be together to talk about some of these things. But, you know, not a not a very active time of year, but enough stories, enough going on to uh to make some conversations worthwhile here. But first let's kick it off by thanking our sponsor. Uh Miles Social. They've been a Jet Nation radio sponsor for a few years now. Uh they're absolutely fantastic. So uh if you've got a business, small business, medium, large, whatever how big your business is, and you've got a bunch of social media social media platforms and you're you're having a hard time managing, you know, wearing all the different hats that a business requires and you need help managing those social media platforms to optimize your online presence go to milesocial.com that's m i l e social.com milesocial.com whether it's Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be, milesocial's got you covered that's milesocial.com m i l e social Dot com. Thanks so much to the folks at MILE. So, a few things worth worth uh, covering here. OTAs are uh, are underway. And, it's you know, OTAs are funny. Let's be honest here. Uh, if the reports out of OTAs are good, you're going to get fans that say, who cares, it's only OTAs. Uh, and those are probably the same people that when OTAs are bad, it's the end of the world and everyone sucks and I knew it. Um, at the moment, things things are sounding good about Zach Wilson. I mean, the two most encouraging things, at least in my opinion, uh, that Zach Wilson looks really good. I get, yes, it's T-shirts and shorts. I get it. But listen, as someone said yesterday, at Jacksonville Jaguars camp, OTAs, sorry, Jacksonville Jaguars OTAs yesterday, or the day before, whenever it was. Trevor Lawrence missed some of practice because he had some sore hamstrings. And then when he got on the field, he threw two pick sixes. It's OTAs. He's learning an offense. He doesn't know these guys. But I guarantee if that was Zach Wilson, uh, we'd be hearing the whispers. We'd be hearing the grumbling. Knew we shouldn't have taken that guy. I, I, I didn't want him all along. It's, it's OTAs and he can't even complete a pass. That's what we'd be hearing. But as it stands... He's had his ups and downs according to, you know, listen, these sessions only, only what, I think four, maybe five sessions have been open to the media, so, you know, who the hell knows what's going on on the days the media's not there, but on the days the media has been there, Zach Wilson has been up and down and done some things that are very encouraging from a rookie quarterback in his first, you know, his first taste of the NFL, this Again, it doesn't mean a great deal, but it, to me anyway, it's a whole lot different than if, if he was going out there stinking up the joint. You could make the excuses, of course. Eh, first look at NFL players, you're nervous, whatever, whatever, make your list of excuses for a first-time guy, and you could make those if he was struggling. But at the end of the day, the the fact would be he's not performing well. So when a guy is performing well early on, that's a good sign. doesn't mean anything. Nobody's putting him in the Super Bowl. But Zach Wilson is going out there apparently showing a lot of the traits that he showed in college. Accuracy, deep accuracy, quick release. I think I saw the other day uh, they did some red zone. And he went something like five for five with five touchdowns. Um, at the Not not this most recent, recent session, but the previous one. So, listen, things are going well for the kid. Let's hope it keeps up. Who the hell knows? All I know is, and I'm sure many of you feel the same way. I just want to see this damn team on the field playing some football. Um, Zach Wilson, you know, all the young kids, we're all excited to see them. And it's, you know, we're we're about 90-some days away from the NFL season kicking off. Um, So even less than that before we at least get to see some preseason, which uh, limited to three games. The Jets announced their games this week. But that's, that's the Zach Wilson story right now, is that he looks good. Chemistry appears to be good with uh, Elijah Moore, which – how do you not love to see that? As I mean, that's – listen, here's the thing with Elijah Moore. I had this thought the other day because, um, you know, we talk about how they the, – the Jets have not really done a great job of drafting impact receivers, uh, haven't taken receivers early. When they have taken guys, it's been Chad Hansen and, and, and Darius Stewart and – which uh, Shaq Evans and and who was the five foot two guy that they drafted out of Oklahoma, uh, Jalen Saunders? Um, listen, with these guys, it feels like the difference between watching Elijah Moore when I watch Elijah Moore on film versus watching these guys on film. There, there's a lot of looking at what those other guys did, and and kind of trying to trying to project it and thinking. How will this translate to the pros? How will that translate to the pros? Will he do this well enough in the NFL? And that is the case with most prospects because not everyone is an elite prospect. With Elijah Moore, when you see him do what he does, you don't look at that and say, oh, well, that's not going to work in the NFL. (laughs) What, being the fastest guy on the field with insane quickness and the ability to juke guys out of their shoes, like that's not going to translate? The guy supposedly, you know, is running in the four threes. I saw one reporter who was at camp yesterday or at OTA's yesterday saying that Moore was uh, you know Moore doesn't seem to lose any speed when he's in and out of his cuts, which should come as a surprise to nobody if you've watched enough of his uh, his footage in college. The guy's an absolute burner, and you don't have to watch him and say this isn't a Chad Hansen. Where you're like, oh, well, here's one thing he does pretty well, another thing he does okay, and here's a few things he could work on to maybe be a good NFL receiver. Like, no, it's there. Everything – well, I shouldn't say everything. More than enough. There's more than enough there in what Elijah Moore does right now today that could and should translate to the pro game. He should be an impact player if the Jets put him on the field and get the football to him. Now, listen, this isn't to say he's a lock. Nobody's a lock. I get it. Anybody can bust. Anybody can bomb. Jason Morrow caught five million passes at Texas Tech, came to the Jets, and, and had butterfingers. You can't project that. Like, why could a guy catch every ball in college and then not catch anything in the pros? Weird stuff happens with these guys. But for everything you can see that Elijah Moore can do, that's the biggest difference. I I guess I guess the best way of putting it is, I feel so comfortable watching him and thinking, he's this guy's going to be fantastic. Whereas with past receivers, it's like, this guy can be good if he can do this, if he can do that, if this translates. Elijah Moore, you just look at him now and you think, this guy's ready to be a player today. So, will it happen? Will it translate? We'll see. I mean, that that's one guy to be really excited about. And, uh, you know, of course, his presence will... Possibly now have an impact on Jamison Crowder's status. And that's something we'll get to in a little bit. First, I wanted to talk about um, Makai Becton. Now, I I tweeted out in February uh, that I didn't feel like there wasn't enough... there, There weren't enough people mentioning the fact that Becton missed all or part of eight games last season. Like, that's a lot of games to miss. And he's an enormous human being. So there's that part of you that wonders... Is his body going to hold up? Is he going to be a guy you can count on 16 times a year or even 13 times a year? I don't know. And now having, you know, with me having said that back then, here we are OTAs, first time the team is on the field. Makai Beckton is not taking part because he's got plantar fasciitis. Now the good news is that. The team has said it's you know it's not it's not bad enough to require surgery. It's plantar fasciitis. You, you give the guy a you know you you fit him for an insert, give him a shoe insert, have him walk around on that for a few weeks. That generally will clear it up. Um, and it's it's a weird thing. People, here's the thing with plantar fasciitis. People are saying, oh, it's because he's out of shape. He's out of shape. He's out of shape. Um, I I spent 17 years in the in the medical field. You know, you know. Just a, just a medical assistant. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here trying to play surgeon or doctor. But we saw a million cases of plantar fasciitis. And the overwhelming majority of the time, it was in runners, athletes, people who ran all the time. And it was from that excess running. The only time I've ever had it was when I was – at one point, I was a, a racquetball maniac. And I was playing like hours a day. And I got it. So that's not something you get from being out of shape. That, that can be a repetitive motion, a, a, you know, repetitive strain on your feet from being on your feet working out. So people who are saying, oh, he's out of shape, he's got plantar fasciitis. Marathon runners get plantar fasciitis. Are they out of shape? So, yes, Robert Sala did come out and say Beckton's got to take better care of himself. But that doesn't tell us what his weight is. It doesn't t- we don't know. I mean, for Sala to say that should raise some red flags. Don't get me wrong. I do like that he did it. I don't like this era of coaches coddling and protecting players if they're not doing what they're asked to do. So for Salah to say that, you have to wonder, are they asking Becton to do some things that he isn't doing? But I don't want to hear that plantar fasciitis is proof of laziness. That's the exact opposite, or it, more times than not, it's the exact opposite. It's proof of, you know, overworking. Um, but in Becton's case... They're saying it doesn't need surgery. Camp is months away; he, th- th- that won't be an issue. However, it's the fact that it's another issue. Um, as I said, missed eight games last year, and of course, the caveat: the you know, there, it seems like there's always something about Adam Gase's presence that kind of lingers, and that applies to Becton because last year he missed some time with the shoulder. Well, Gase is a moron, so he puts him back in before he's ready, and he re-injures the shoulder. So now is that that Mekhi Becton's a little injury prone or is it that the bonehead head coach put him in the game before he should have or put him back on the field before he should have and that exacerbated it and then Becton misses more time and it looks like he's the guy who is the issue. Maybe if Gay sits him for another week or two, he comes back and the shoulder is fine and there's nothing. And, you know, the encouraging thing, no injuries in college. But at the same time in college, the the you know, we talked about this pre-draft. The pass sets, the pass protection – not you're not sustaining these three, four, five, six second blocks at Louisville. It's you know the ball's out, out, out. You know you're not blocking for as long. You're not putting as so much strain on those joints, and you're not doing it against NFL players. But for me personally, at the moment, I'm going to say that I'm not worried about a plantar fasciitis thing, but it does. It is worth you know as I said in Feb it's worth paying attention to because he had enough injuries and he missed enough time that it's at the very least a concern. I'm not saying it's, you know, that the team has to go shopping for a new tackle, which some people have said, and, and that brings us to our next topic. Morgan Moses, right? You know, elite or at the very least high level right tackle for the Washington football team. They cut him loose a couple months ago or weeks ago, however long it was. I said at the time, I would love for the Jets to go get this guy, but because of his weight, he's a 325, 330 guy. Um, the Jets, or I should say the 49ers, you know, as we've talked about, you know, is, is, are the Jets going to run a, an offense that's going to look for the same type of person all the 49ers had, which meant everybody was sort of 315 and under, with the exception of Trent Williams. Um, but Trent Williams is all world. Um, so I thought maybe at three twenty five, three thirty, three thirty five, whatever Moses is checking in at, I thought I'd love to have him, but I just don't think he fits that profile for what this team wants. And someone said to me, "Oh, what about Becton?" Well, first of all, they didn't draft Becton. That was that was before you know this coaching staff arrived, and Becton just does things that people his size shouldn't be able to do. So you can't you can't compare Makai Becton to anybody else on the planet because nobody as big as him moves as well as he does. Um. But the Jets are supposedly in on Morgan Moses. He visited the team a couple weeks ago. Then he went from the Jets and visited the Bears. And reports have surfaced saying the Jets have made a little bit of progress taking some steps towards signing him. There's a lot lot to cover with this, with with Moses. First of all, what a great move it would be. I mean – what that would mean and i wrote an article on this yesterday on jetnation.com if you're not on jetnation.com if you're not i should be more specific if you're not in the forums on jetnation.com you need to get there best message board on the internet for jets fans uh millions of hits every month the post counts are through the roof everyone's and especially right now everyone's so excited about what's going on um so check out the forums on jetnation.com but i posted an article on jetnation Yesterday, saying this would this would be really what a miraculous development this would be if the Jets sign Morgan Moses after having drafted makai Becton, drafted Avt. You've got McGovern in the middle still, right guard. Now, would right guard would Fant kick inside? Do you stick with Greg Van Roten and Clark Lewis? Did they get it? Did they get it on the? Uh, the right guard competition, whatever whatever happens at right guard, just having Becton, AVT, McGovern, Moses, this O-line in a matter of a couple of years could legitimately go from being bottom three to top three. And again, you're, you're, you're talking elite level play on your bookends. AVT, now listen, I I get it. As I said earlier, no one's a lock. Anyone can bust. If he's anywhere near what people, what insiders and analysts are projecting, he can be a high-level starter right off the bat. And then McGovern hopefully recaptures his form of a couple of years ago with Denver when he was one of the better centers in the league. Folks, I, I'm I'm... Most, they haven't signed Moses. I'm I'm trying to temper my uh my expectations. But you bring that guy in behind these running backs and you look at this defense, that that puts the Jets at a spot where they're a corner away from being playoff contenders. As crazy as it sounds, and I know it sounds crazy, but tell me why they wouldn't be. If I can, you know, I'm looking back to the 2009-2010 the t- season. This offensive line would not be on that level, but it wouldn't be very far behind. It really wouldn't. And it would, here's, so here's what it'll come down to. Do you add a quality corner? And is Zach Wilson a better quarterback in year one than Mark Sanchez was in year one? which I don't think is a is much of a stretch. Primarily because Wilson is accurate. Uh Sanchez was a 52% completion guy. Wilson Wilson completes 59, 60, 61%. I mean he was number 1 in the country last year in completion percentage. Did it against Division 1 schools. Uh well you know I should say you know b- bigger colleges not it wasn't last year but we saw what he did against Tennessee and and uh you know a couple of the USC had some big games against big schools. And now his weapons are going to be far superior in the pros to what he had in college. So I'm not saying the Jets are going to the playoffs. I'm just saying if you had Morgan Moses and then you go out and either sign or trade, like, you know, we talked about Richard Sherman. We talked about Nelson. Uh, Bashad Breeland, who I like. Probably, you know, He's not on the same level as those two guys, but I like him as a solid starter. You go out and get those guys, and Hall, Bryce Hall, uh, plays up the uh, up to expectations. All of a sudden, and we've talked about the front seven. We've talked about the D-line. The D-line is just ridiculous. It really is. This D-line is so good, I'm not going to lie to you. A few times when I've been writing, making notes on the D-line, I've, I forgot Sheldon Rankins. The guy had eight and a half sacks a couple years ago when he came out of college. Has battled some injuries. It's supposedly, supposedly being the key word now. It's supposedly... Back at 100%. They added a first-round interior D lineman who had eight-and-a-half sacks a couple years ago, and I keep forgetting about him because, because it's loaded inside. It is, that defensive front is loaded. I don't know how many times we can talk about it. It's one of those things I'm tired of talking about it, but how do you not talk about it? I think PFF the other day said the Jets, they said they, uh, they graded them out as the seventh-best defensive front. Or D-line in the NFL. And then, if and, you know, we, we've talked about this quite a few times. If Mosley is somewhere close to the player he was, playing in the middle behind Quinnen Williams, Rankins, JFM, Foley Fatakasi, Lawson, Kyle Phillips, if he comes back healthy. Are you kidding me? Kyle Phillips, he's too underappreciated, folks. If you're following me on Twitter, you've seen me tweet several times about him. Ten tackles for loss over a, a season, un, less than a season and a half, as a part-time guy. Ten tackles for loss as an undrafted kid who's only getting better. So, I'm, I'm telling you, if you go get Morgan Moses, it's a game changer. It, it, it To me, it changes expectations for this season. Because I think Ty Johnson can run. I think Michael Carter can run. The other guys I'm not as excited about, but if this O-line comes together like that, then, then they, sh- they should be good enough that anyone can, run, can be somewhat productive behind it. The, the other angle I want to talk about with the Morgan Moses thing is what does that mean for George Fant? I've talked about maybe Fant kicking inside the guard. Others have said, well, he can be a swing tackle. You let him be a backup, you know, jumbo package, whatever. Is, is George Fant going to go for that? And listen, I'm, I understand it's a business and guys got to do what you do, your job, do what you're told, da-da-da. I get all that. But at the same time, these guys are human beings. And don't forget, this didn't, you know, this didn't get a ton of mention. A couple blurbs last year. But Fant said, he, and he wasn't complaining. George Fant, team guy. So, you know, up to this point, no, no grumbling or, or whining. But he did say to the media last year when he signed with the Jets, his expectation was that he was going to play left tackle because it's pre-draft. You don't have Becton. And then you draft Becton. Well, George Fant's got to suck it up. And he did. He didn't complain. George Fant went to right tackle. And now you're going to tell me a year later he's going to the bench as a backup? Hey, George, we'd like you to be our left tackle. We'd like you to start at left tackle for us. Here's $11, 12000000 a year. Okay, great. Thanks. Fast forward 18 months. Hey, George, you're on the bench now. Not because you're playing poorly. We just went ahead and replaced you twice, and now you're a backup. You, and look, you can say all you want. Too bad, sucks for him, do what's best for the team. I get all that. But you don't, you don't think there's at least the slightest chance that George fan, you know, will respectfully approach the team and say, look, guys, this clearly didn't work. I came here to play left tackle. You told me I was going to play left tackle. You moved me to right tackle. I went, didn't complain, did my job. And now you want me to sit. We both know this isn't right. How about you get on the phone and send me somewhere where, where a team is looking for a tackle? By the way, San Francisco lost a tackle the other day with torn ACL. I, I, I forget which tackle it was. Just glanced the headline as I was scrolling. So Robert Salah's former team needs a tackle, and the Jets are pursuing a tackle. And who knows what happens to their current tackle if they get the guy they're trying to get. But you also have to wonder if this gets the 49ers in on the Moses thing. So we'll see where it goes. But if 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 Fant is the good soldier, and it just does what he's told to do, is there a chance they tell him to move inside? Now Moses played some guard in college, hasn't played in, in the pros. Fant can't find anywhere where he's played any guard. Um, so Moses <clears throat> some limited experience at guard. Could you play him at guard and leave Fant to tackle Now, I I think Fant at guard makes more sense because he moves much better. If you want to be able to pull him and, you know, run a lot of this outside zone and, you know, these sweeps to the outside, Fant's a better option to, to play guard as a, as a pulling guard than Moses would be. But who knows? The Jets clearly, you know, have a plan for what happens if they do add Moses as they've made him an offer. And that—that's what I'm interested in seeing. Well, listen, I just hope we—I hope we get to that point. I hope we get to the point where we're like, okay, now we get to see what the Jets are going to do with him, because that means they got the guy. And if you add him to what they've already got, that's uh, that's beyond encouraging. That's like I said, you're talking potential Pro Bowl bookends with the consensus top guard in the draft um with with again McGovern. It, it's it's the, the possibilities are exciting. Um but now we just wait. And if, if I'll tell you what, if I'm if I'm Morgan Moses, um I'm I'm looking at the Jets like if they're not already the team where that he wants to come to and you know the Jets have all that cap space, you know, maybe he says, Look, I need I need another two million a year. Whatever you're offering, I need two more than that like he has some leverage now. And the Jets, the Jets aren't dumb. Like they have to realize what this guy can mean for them. You got the money, go get him. But having the money is our is the next thing we're going to talk about. Jets are currently if I'm not mistaken 23 million under the cap. So Obviously, the room is there. They have what they need to go out and uh, and add a guy. But at the same time, for whatever reason, it would appear <clears> – <throat> I'm sorry. They have – the Jets are currently $27 million under the cap. And apparently, they are uh, talking to Jamison Crowder. <clears throat> now, the thing is, we don't know what they're talking to Jamison Crowder about. We don't know if there are options on the table. Have the Jets gone to Jamison Crowder and said, listen, we need you to take a pay cut this year before your contract expires? Or are they saying, we need to take, you to pay, take a pay cut this year, but we're going to extend you out and add a few years onto your deal because we like you. So is this a renegotiation for an extension? Or is it a, hey, man, don't bother coming to camp until you agree to take less money? Or is it a, you know what, stay home. We don't want you to get hurt while we're shopping you because we're going to trade you. We d- we don't know what they're doing. But I will say, for me personally, it's it's a little bit frustrating. Be- just because of the fact that you've got $27 million in cap space. Crowder is easily your most accomplished receiver on the roster. I get that Elijah Moore is here now. I get I get the fact that Moore will probably be very effective in the slot. That's not to say he can't play on the outside. But I'm looking at Crowder and what he brings, and I just feel like knowing what we know about the importance of building around a young quarterback, why not just pay the guy what he's owed and and get him in camp? Let, listen, I, I, I would be far happier if we find out in a couple of weeks – that Jamison Crowder is, you know, signs a three-year extension, and it brings his cap number down, and he's going to be around for a while. Fantastic. If that's the goal, awesome. But if the Jets are just saying we need you to take less, and we're willing to kind of lose you over a couple million, like we we'd rather pay you six or seven million than ten million, and we're willing to lose you over that and lose a weapon for Zach Wilson, I think that's. Um, irresponsible on the part of the jets because again as much as i've raved and many have raved about elijah moore we don't know what he can do yet and 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 what's wrong with having a little bit of depth it's it's 2021 folks get four receivers on the field get i mean listen if you're a defense do you really want to have to worry about covering Corey davis denzel mims elijah moore and jameson crowder jameson crowder Is getting this team seven eight hundred yards and six touchdowns with nothing around him, and terrible quarterback play. Like he's another guy who has managed to thrive despite not having a lot around him. Put him in an offense where guys have to be accounted for. Put him in an offense where you've got a six foot three, six foot four Corey Davis on the outside who can out jump you, and an Elijah Moore who can sprint past everybody on your defense or who can take a quick slant make a couple guys miss and score, Like guys are going to have to be accounted for now. And as you well know, I'm still on the Chris Herndon train. Get it, let's see three receivers out there with Herndon. Get him involved early on and let teams realize, oh, this is another guy we have to defend now. This is in 2020 Chris Herndon. There's the possibility for this team to go out there and have a great deal of depth is, is staring them in the face. And it it looks as if, or not look, there is a chance again, because I don't know what the hell they're saying to Crowder. I don't know what the hell Crowder's saying to them. All I know is the guy's not in camp. Salah acknowledged that they are. It is they are working on a contract, but we just don't know if they're working on a pay cut or if they're working on an extension. My gut would be pay cut is you can have a guy come in and you like him and maybe he's at camp but not going not going full but uh he's not there. So I think that's a bad sign. I don't know what you can get for Crowder in a trade. I don't know. I mean, it's 10 million savings if you trade the guy. So I get that. But when you've got 27 and you still you still could you know the, the jets have a couple of guys on this roster who they could part ways with that would save them a little bit of money. Alex Lewis reworked his deal, so that's unlikely now. <clears throat> but you look at a guy like Van Roten, if, like say you're going to kick Fant into guard or if you like if if you like Lewis at guard at right guard, Van Roten's a, a 3 million savings. And I'll tell you what, the, <clears throat> the more I've watched the Van Roten, having gone back and started to rewatch some of these games, and not doing it while well in a miserable stupor because you hate the the head coach. Um, Van Roten's not a bad player. And I I said it when he hit free agency last year, he was a guy that just should look at. He struggled early. Got much better as the season went on. So Van Roten at right guard would to me wouldn't be a problem. But if you want to kick Fanton inside and part ways with Van Roten, I got it. Ryan Griffin doesn't save you a whole lot if you let go of him. Just under two million, one eight five, I think, one point eight four, one point eight five. So there are some guys that can save you a little bit of money. If the Jets are trying to go big. If they're trying to save themselves a nice chunk of cash. Then Crowder would be the guy that would make the most sense. And million dollar savings. And now expendable with the addition of Elijah Moore. But I still, again, for my money. Keep them all. And I I feel like if you don't, the day will come where someone's going to be dinged up. And you're going to think, damn it. If we still had that guy. But there are other receivers on the roster. Maybe not guys who play that spot, but listen, maybe they love Vincent Smith. I know I was high on him going into last year. And then he gets hurt. You know, if there's another receiver on the roster, they're <clears throat> excuse me, that they're high on. That's something we don't know about. And that's something that could make a little bit more sense. So we'll see where that goes. My hope is that we hear Jamison and Crowder's inked day three or four year extension. And, uh, whatever new deal, tear up the current deal and give him a three or four year deal, that would be fantastic uh, to have him remain as part of this group. But we'll see what happens there. Just as we will see what happens, this is an interesting one, folks. Marcus May. Now, the Jets may still re-sign him. We don't know where it's going to go. But um, the draft, folks, was, what, six weeks ago? And immediately after the draft, Joe Douglas said, oh, now the draft is over. You know, we can get going on this Marcus May thing. We're, we're, we're texting back and forth with his agent. It's a, it's, we, we want him to stay here. Um, we're working, I think he said, vigorously or whatever he said. You know, kind of send the message, we're really working hard on this deal. Six weeks later, still no deal. A deal that they're working very hard on. Um, this kind of tells me there's not a lot of mystery. The market for safeties is set. We know what top safeties make. We know safety is not a premium position. These guys, they don't get drafted early, and when they hit free agency, they don't get paid big. Yes, you get a couple. The one-offs. But you don't see four, five, six safeties getting drafted in the first round the way you see with offensive tackles, pass rushers, corners, quarterbacks. Those are your premium spots. Safeties might get one or two in round one, and then the rest will go later. And then when they hit free agency, they don't get paid. You, you can almost always find a quality starting safety on the street before the season starts. You, you don't do that. You don't... You don't there's never... A, you know, like Eric Waddle a few years ago, Chargers let him go. He just sat out there waiting to get signed. If you had a quarterback who played at the level that Waddle plays, that guy would be signed that, that day. Same for pass rusher, same for corner. So these guys don't get paid a great deal. They're one of the lowest cap hits for the franchise tag, which is another. So those are the three things that kind of give you an idea. Because I had someone tell me on Twitter, safety is a premium position like so so they they don't get taken in the first round, they don't get paid in free agency, and they've got one of the lowest cap hits on the franchise tag that that does not spell premium to me now, of course, you know there'll be a couple guys who are maybe three or four guys who are so good that they're at that level. Marcus May is not one of those guys. He's just—he's just—he's a good player. I hope he gets paid, but is he a guy you're going to pay fourteen, fifteen million a year? Because that's what the top guys get. You have four or five guys who get that money out of thirty-two safeties. Well, that's—I mean, really, you could say sixty-four strong. You know, the way they move guys around nowadays. But let, let's say, for argument's sake, there's 32, and five or six of them make, you know, upwards of of 14 million a year. Marcus May making 10, and now does he want 14? Does he want 15? Does he think he's in the same class as these elite guys, or are the Jets saying, "Look, man, we kind of view you as a, you know, middle of the road guy." Which puts you at, you know, we'll we'll pay you eight nine million a year. You know, we'll pay you like uh, like a Malcolm Jenkins type. We can give you that money, but is his agent coming back with? We feel like he's top five. We feel like Marcus is top six. We need thirteen fourteen million a year. But whatever, listen, whatever it is, whatever Marcus May is asking for, and whatever whatever the Jets are offering, they've been asking and offering for six weeks. And there hasn't been any news. And he might sign today. And I mean, sometimes, for whatever reason, these negotiations drag out far longer than anyone would expect. And I think that's my key point here, is that if Marcus May truly was a top priority, and you truly wanted him here for as long as possible, and I'm, I get that GMs lie about this stuff all the time. GMs aren't going to come out and say, yeah, this guy under contract, we're pretty anxious to get rid of him. We can't wait till his deal expires. That's not going to happen. Marcus May could be a guy they look at and say, he's a good hold the fort guy. We'd like to have him around for one more year while we develop one of these, you know, seven safeties that we just added. And then we're happy to let him walk after the season. So in that case, you know he wants $13, 14000000 You come in and say, look, we'll keep you for $8. we will keep you for $9. 9000000 a year. So you know there's a huge gap. You know there's a 4 to $5 million a year gap in what, what he wants and what you're offering. And you can just tell the fans, look, we worked hard, we made what we believe was a fair offer, Marcus and his people felt differently, and so we're going to go our separate ways after his deal expires. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say that's where they're at. Because, again, you got $27 million in cap room, you know what safeties make, you know what you're willing to pay. It's been six weeks since the day, or roughly, let's say four weeks. Four weeks from the day that you said... We are vigorously working on getting this deal done, and it still isn't done. And again, that rant being made, it probably gets done in 10 minutes, and then I look like an idiot, which is fine. Won't be the first time. Won't be the last time. But either way, that's where the Jets stand right now with Marcus May, is that they claim they want him. He claims they want to be back, but they've had over a month to work on it. They still haven't made it happen. The team still has a couple of unsigned draft picks. Uh, Michael Carter did get done. But um, that still leaves the top, two, top three guys unsigned, Elijah Moore, who went uh, obviously before Carter, AVT, and Zach Wilson are still waiting for their deal, which is not uncommon, not unheard of. So that's where the Jets are today, folks. OTA is going well. You know, the one downside of OTA is of having a new quarterback. Everyone seems to talk about the quarterback, and we want to hear about it, but you hear about almost nothing else. But in fairness it's really tough to gauge a lot in shorts and shirts um o line and all that there you know it's it's impossible o line d line they, they you can't do a whole lot so i you know you can talk corners you can talk uh receivers and you know i um isaiah Dunn we've heard mentioned a few times i said after he was signed that he was a guy despite being an undrafted guy could make the 53 for no other reason this team this team has no corners right now. And and I hear people saying, you know, like I said, I, I said Dunn can make the roster, and I I hear people, Dunn's working with the ones. Keep an eye on him. He's working with the ones. Why wouldn't he work with the ones? Who else do you have? You literally have no corners. You have Bryce Hall who you like and you should like, but in terms of having a guy who has played a season's worth of NFL football games and proven he can do it the Jets don't have one of those guys. They have zero of those players. Quality, starting, proven veterans. With that being the case, of course the kid is running with the ones. I would expect every guy out there at some point to get some reps with the ones. And even if they don't, the guys that do, not, not, not the biggest story in my opinion. Not, literally like, like I didn't I didn't see Don mentioned on Twitter since the day they signed him. Then a reporter says he's running with the ones, and then all of a sudden I'm seeing all these. Oh, he's going to stick. He's going to start. He's a player. He's and he might be, but like let's not let's not let the fact that a guy is getting some reps on a team with no corners, the fact that guys getting some reps at corner with the ones, let's not get carried away. Um you know we've already said and when I say we I mean every every dopey blogger out there myself included we've all said oh look look at the money that this kid reportedly got the jets clearly like him well let's let's do let's a little little bit of math here the jets like him and they don't have any other corners so yeah this kid has a shot to play absolutely and he does and I've 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 watched some of his games and I've pulled some of his clips and I'm going to try to watch some more the thing is it's tough man it, it, if you, when you're trying to watch some of these guys in there and you know you, you can find as many full games as you like, but without access to the all 22, which is tough to get from the colleges, sometimes you'll find a few here and there. but without the all22 you're not getting a true look at how he's playing in coverage, and that's you know not a lot different from from what I was just saying with with OTAs at the moment. you're not seeing a ton. Because guys are guys they're not going full speed uh you know you're not getting that contact you're not the blocking isn't real blocking and it, you can really only evaluate a couple of things so at least it's something though am I right i mean we we're we're, we're 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 thirsting for for n f l news and uh there's finally some coming out and hopefully in the coming days we find out uh you know hopefully Moses is added, and uh this team takes another huge step toward being contenders. And, uh, and the, the Jameson Crowder thing, keep an eye on that. Makai Becton, I'm not quite wo- ready to worry about it. Like I said, I, I see people telling me the Jets are going to sign Moses to play left tackle. Uh, he's been a right tackle his whole career. And, and Becton, pe- people are basically putting Becton on season-ending IR now because he has plantar fasciitis during OTAs. So uh, let's pump the brakes on that. And let's, uh, let's look forward to next week's show. When it will, again, hopefully be the three of us, myself, Dylan, and Alex. Uh, hope they're doing well. And that'll do it for our show today, folks. Um, thanks for tuning in. Feels a little bit funny for me on this side of the, uh, this side of the mic, doing this on an early morning. But I hope you enjoyed it, gave you some things to think about, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!